Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. i got to tell you, I'm loving this time of a sports fan here in the state of Georgia. Obviously, Braves last night in the World Series. How cool was that? And, of course, cocktail party on Saturday. And, yes, like the rest of you who are trying to stay focused on your job today, knowing you may have stayed up late last night watching another one of these marathon World Series games, we'll do the same thing here. As much fun as we're having with Atlanta, as much fun as we're having with the Braves, we'll stay focused on our job, the task at hand, finding a way to beat those lousy, stinking Gators on Saturday. Mike Griffith stops by later on to help us out with all of that. And obviously, uh, we'll go 100 miles an hour in that direction on our program here today, including starting with this. There was an appearance by ESPN's Kirk Herbstreet on the Worldwide Leaders College Football Podcast. They do like several podcasts during the week, and they kind of, it's actually, uh, I mean, I don't love everything ESPN does, but their college football podcast actually has a pretty good format where it's like they'll do a couple of their guys one day and then a couple of their guys the next day. And so you kind of get a number of their prominent voices throughout the week weighing in on college football and uh, Herb Street was on there I guess it would have been Tuesday I guess uh, yeah, yesterday maybe was the uh, yeah I guess it would have been yesterday and so the subject of the Georgia Florida game comes up and Herb Street had some interesting things to say about this including in particular a very very pronounced warning to Florida about something that you've got to know about facing this Georgia defense right now I think that part of this clip is very fun but some of the other stuff that Herb Street says here is worth paying a little bit of attention to as well. So here's about a minute's worth of Kirk Herb Street laying it out exactly what's at stake for Florida against Georgia. And obviously, UGA fans love the praise of that Georgia defense. This is Herb Street. They're going to have to make some plays. I mean, yes. you have no shot to be a running quarterback and be a threat against this defense. You're not running the ball against Georgia. Repeat, you are not <laughs> running the ball against Georgia. So. You can, you can try to sprinkle it in, but you are going to have to hit some explosives in the pass game. Can you do that with, these, you know, with this quarterback and with these receivers? We'll see. But two weeks to get ready. Dan Mullen, a smart guy. He'll, they'll come up with some stuff. End of the day, you got to go out and execute, right? And, and will that be good enough? A lot of emotion in a rivalry game. Florida desperately needs to, to, to compete and, and uh, not lay an egg when they go up against the best team in the country in Georgia. All right, so there is a lot there. Now, the most important thing that Kirk Herbstreit says there is, you are not running the ball against Georgia. And then he repeats it. You are not running the ball against Georgia. That you're going to have to hit explosive passing plays because you don't have a chance to do anything else. That's the most important thing that Herbstreit says there. But can we put a pin in that and come back to that in a moment because while it's the most important thing it's not the only thing that Herb Street says there that I think is of note he also says this is a desperate Florida team that can't lay an egg in this spot we talked about this yesterday there is a lot of negativity around the Gators program right now Mullen taking fire during press conference for what he is not doing in recruiting was it spotted on the on the trail during the off week uh, lost their two biggest commits in each of the last two weeks with uh, Julian Humphrey this week and Shamar James the week before that. Uh, Todd Grantham, a lot of folks at the time wondered why Mullen brought him back for the 2021 season. That seems like an even worse decision now. We do get greedy 
around here from time to time. And there is a little bit of greed in our minds and our attitudes right now because we want to see a bad situation for Florida made worse by an awful loss to Georgia on Saturday. That obviously we'll celebrate a win, those of us who are Gator haters, we'll celebrate a win however it might come. But if it's a chance to see Georgia go out there and really you know, call, uh, cause Florida to, as Herb Street said a moment ago, lay an egg in this game or even in with that goose egg, something that Florida hasn't had since 1987, a shutout, any kind of thing like that, boy, how much fun would that be to make the, the swirling criticism around Dan Mullen even, even bigger, even larger? That, to me, seems really, really fun. Now, the other thing that comes up there is, too, at the end there, you hear Herb Street, and he's mentioned these kinds of things before. This is not new information from Kirk Herbstreet. He mentions the idea of, oh, Dan Mullen with two weeks to prepare. Oh, the diabolical offensive genius that is Dan Mullen. The guy who always seems to have an ability to drop some sort of play in the dirt. Oh, he's so creative. That what is Dan Mullen going to come up with with two weeks to prepare? Here's the thing, though. The old caricature of what Georgia, Florida used to be If it was ever true, it just doesn't quite fit anymore. There is this caricature in the smart era that, well, Kirby's got the best players. He's going to roll that talent out there. And Dan Mullen may have less talent, but he's going to, boy, he's going to dial up some sort of scheme that gives his team a chance to win. I'm not saying that Dan Mullen's a bad play caller. I don't think there's evidence to support that. But I do think that Mullen is such a bad recruiter that people have a tendency to overrate his play calling acumen because I think there's assumption, well, if he's coaching in the SEC, he must be a great X's and O's guy because he's a terrible recruiter. That there is a sense in which Mullen's such a bad recruiter that people make him to be more of a wizard as a play caller than he actually is to justify why he's even coaching at a high-level SEC school as it is. So that's part of the character that's probably not quite as true as some people think. But also this notion that Georgia is talent alone, if that was ever true, it's less true now. Obviously, on the offensive side of the ball, I'll put Todd Munkin's ability to draw up plays. I'll put Todd Munkin's ability to, as Kirby Smart has talked about, scheme his players open, get the ball to the guys that you want touching it. I'll put Munkin right next to a Dan Mullen in a conversation like that with no problem whatsoever. And when you look at the success of the Georgia defense right now, is it in dispute in any way, form, or fashion that this is not just – I almost said 11 guys, but with the Georgia defense is more like 30 guys. This is not just you know, you know, know, waves and waves of talent that can be deployed however you want them to be, and they're automatically going to be successful. Listen, that's underselling the role that Dan Lanning plays in this defense and the influence that maybe Kirby Smart still has in this defense, and certainly Lanning's top lieutenants, guys like Trey Scott, who we talked about on the show last week, or Glenn Schumann, or you want to mention you know, uh, Will Muschamp now getting a chance to also influence that some as a special teams coach back in an on-field role here for Georgia, Jamal Adai, a lot of UGA fans still getting acquainted with him as defensive backs coach. That This notion that the Georgia defensive success is about talent alone. I mean, are you watching the games? Are you seeing the way that these guys are dialing up? You know, Smart talks all the time about the simulated pressures or the, you know, making the, the offense think you're doing one thing when you're doing something else. Clearly, there's also two weeks to prepare for these Georgia coaches as well. And Lanning can do something, whether it's Emory Jones in the game or AR-15 in the game. Uh, he can do something there in that spot that that maybe Dan Mullen's not quite prepared for. And certainly Todd Munkin offensively has a chance to kind of do some of the same kind of stuff there as well. That, that this notion that the two weeks benefits Dan Mullen because he's some sort of wizard, some sort of diabolical genius. I'm watching the... Uh, the Georgia coaches, when they have chalk in their hand right now, and they're looking like they're drawing up some pretty good stuff there as well. But the most important thing that Herb Street said a moment ago is 
you are not running, and for emphasis, he repeats it, you are not running on this uh, Georgia defense right now, that you better hope that you make some explosive plays in the passing game. Now, imagine here for a moment, and Herb Street's the biggest voice there is. There's no one whose voice carries more weight in college football conversations than Kirk Herbstreet's does. So imagine how valuable that is if you say we can take any offense, including a Florida offense that's probably the best offense that Georgia's faced thus far in the regular season. Imagine how valuable that is before the game even begins, if we take Herbstreet at his word, to render your opponent one-dimensional. Render your opponent Take half your playbook and basically throw that in the trash because these running plays that you think you want to try that have worked against even other pretty good teams this season, they're not going to work against Georgia. You better hope you make some explosive plays in the passing game. Now listen, at one point in time, it was thought that Georgia had some vulnerabilities when it comes to the uh, uh, you know the, the pass defense, and for the most part, statistically speaking, that group's been fine. Obviously, there's still probably a little bit of a work in progress because some of those guys are young. But still, thus far, that uh, this group is passing that test there as well. And part of the reason why that might be is because when you have great defensive line play, when you have great play from your front seven, all of a sudden you have more bodies you can throw at stopping the passing game. So if Florida, if we go into the game on Saturday knowing that Florida's got to make the explosive pass plays to win, well, obviously Dan Landing, this Georgia defense, knows that there as well. And all of a sudden now, because of the beef that Georgia has, Stopping that, uh, stopping that run, all of a sudden that gives you more freedom to do all kinds of stuff to limit Florida through the air. And that, as simple as anything, might be the reason why Georgia defense has been this successful so far this season. And obviously the guy that stands as the avatar for all of that, the representation is uh, Jordan Davis. And boy, I thought it was great yesterday. Kirby Smart had so many really cool things to say about Jordan Davis. And obviously, we're kind of way out in front of this. We've done the hashtag JD to NYC. We keep pushing that. We believe that Jordan Davis should be in New York City as a Heisman finalist. We believe he should win the award. But we believe that he ought to get that nod as a representation for everything that the Georgia defense has been about all season long. And obviously, Smart's words yesterday when being asked directly by Jordan Davis help further explain why this is true. First of all, in terms of trying to define just how valuable he is because listen there's a lot of knuckleheads in the kind of the mainstream media <laughs> i say that phrase loosely but people that don't aren't as deeply entrenched in the georgia conversation as, as we are around here there are a lot of knuckleheads in that version of the media that still don't understand how a player can be dominant if he doesn't have dominant stats they don't quite understand that so smart yesterday i thought did a pretty good job of explaining why the value that Davis has to Georgia, and we'll see this on Saturday against Florida, the value that, that Davis has to Georgia extends beyond anything that can be measured in a stat sheet. This is Kirby Smart on Jordan Davis. His value, and I think when you talk about running the ball in the, in the, the league we're in, you have to be able to have some sort of run game. You don't have to be dominant in the run game, but you got to be able to run the ball. And he, he makes us have more third and seven to 12s then we have third and two to four, if you know what I mean. And just statistically, when you have third and two to four, which we had an inordinate amount against Kentucky and struggled some uh, because they did a nice job on second long, it it affects the game. And when you have third and seven to ten, it it helps you. And Jordan is a heavy impact on that because it's tough to run the it's tough to run the ball uh, when he's in there. You know, I think what he's done, he's made himself quicker more agile, and uh, his weight fluctuates from time to time, but he's much more effective when he's under 350. And uh, he's taken it upon himself 
here lately to, to really work to be under 350. And uh, I, I noticeably can tell a difference in him when he's 350 or less. I know that seems like a lot, but he's been higher than that. I mean, imagine being that athletic with it, Davis is, like a 6'6", 350, trying to get to 350. Like, it's not that much of an exaggeration to say that he's almost a, like a Shaq-like presence in college football and that the physical size is so imposing that it just greatly affects how opposing offenses even try to block him. And as Smart says right there, that much like what Kirk Herbstreit said a moment ago, that you take away the run game, you force teams to have to try to throw and make the explosive pass plays to beat you. But if you're setting up like third and long situations, third and eight, nine or more, all of a sudden it becomes much easier to defend against that pass because now you know exactly what's coming. The defensive play call in a third and long situation is just an easier play call than third and five is, third and six is. A more manageable third down where the entire playbook is kind of brought into the discussion. A third and long is far easier for a defense to defend. So once again, when you see the other Georgia defenders, and there are a lot of them, when you see the other Georgia defenders having success, some of that success is credited to the dominance that Davis has in the middle of the field for the Georgia defense. And then the ongoing conversation that thankfully we've uh, played a role in of Jordan Davis as a true uh, Heisman contender here. I want you to listen to this from Kirby Smart. Now listen, Kirby's classy, and he's not going to be a carnival barker about this the way that I am. But notice what Kirby Smart does not say here. Notice that Kirby Smart in no part in this clip does he say, oh, we don't think any of our players should be a part of you know national award conversation. We just don't, we're not paying attention to any of that whatsoever. You know, Kirby has every chance here to deny the premise of the question. Hey, what do you think about Davis as a Heisman guy? Do you think that's worth considering? If Kirby wanted to deny the premise of that question and just basically shrug it off, because he does that plenty, uh, and he has uh, it's his prerogative to do so, but he takes on the question, and he gives you a thoughtful answer here, not Carnival Barker style the way that I do, but Kirby Smart does not put the fire out. When it comes to Jordan Davis as a Heisman contender, this is his response when I asked that yesterday. Take a listen. I think it's unfortunate that defensive players don't uh, don't get mentioned for it. And, and it, it. I'm not necessarily advocating Jordan. I'm advocating defensive players because I feel like the NFL values that. And if you look over time, uh, outside of the quarterback position, which they have to draft, and they get drafted every year, uh, four to five guys on average at quarterback. Outside of that, you, you, you have defensive players taking the top ten every year because – they can change the game, uh, you know, whether it's pass rush or, or corner or somebody locking somebody down or whatever the position may be. But, um, I, you know, it is what it is, and it's, it's an award that has become quarterback, receiver, running back heavy and, and nothing but respect for the, for the award. But certainly some defensive players across the country um, deserve some kind of uh, recognition. It's almost like you wish you could take one every year to New York as a defensive player because it's such a great event. That is exactly right. Whether it be Jordan Davis this year or somebody else in future years, the idea that defensive players haven't gotten more consideration from the award just to face value is wrong. And I tell you, I think one of the things that impacts this is, I'm not against fantasy football, but like so many folks play fantasy football at the NFL level where you only draft like one defense and you can just kind of lump the entire group together. You treat that as like a single entity that we almost, as casual fans sometimes, at the, at the casual level of, follow, uh, of following football, like forget that defenses are made up of 
intricate personnel pieces, 11 different guys in the field at one time, and there is varying values for the guys on the field. And it's possible for a guy to have outsized value the way that Jordan Davis was or, uh, does right now. So the fact that Smart embraces the idea that a defensive player should be considered for this award, I believe is a wink and a nod of the direction that he's okay with Jordan Davis getting that kind of attention right now. And boy, I hope that buzz continues for him after Saturday. Now, admittedly, I got to pick up the pace here a little bit because we're going, <laughs> we're already going pretty long here uh, and we got a lot left to do. Let me do this briefly and we'll talk to Mike Griffith about this more in just a moment. So Jacksonville Mayor Lenny Curry puts out an announcement yesterday that says, pleased to see our city council unanimously approve a new contract that's going to keep one of our great traditions in Jacksonville through 2025. He says, many thanks to my city council colleagues. Uh, Georgia and Florida are for keeping this rivalry where it belongs. And so obviously the mayor of Jacksonville excited about the contract extension announced yesterday late in the evening for Georgia and Florida to stay in Jacksonville through 2025 and obviously this is the kind of thing that comes up around dog nation a lot around here we're big fans of the cocktail party I'm not going to have a long time on the first coast here this weekend but I do enjoy being there and maybe I'll get a chance to enjoy a little bit of fun after the game on Saturday before I have to race back home for a Halloween on Sunday but still it's a special tradition for me I love it our buddy Mike Griffith has used every opportunity that he can to talk about how much he hates the idea of the game being in Jacksonville for whatever reason. Well, some of y'all have noticed this there as well. One of our terrific Dog Nation uh, contributors, guy who watches our videos sometimes and comments in there and a uh, pretty active tweeter there too. His name's William Perry. Um, well, he has actually worked with an artist, a terrific artist. A lot of you may know Dave, Dave Helwig, a, a terrific, terrific artist. And he's put this together, and I feel like in honor of the game getting extended in Jacksonville, for those of you watching on video, you got to see this. Now, if you're listening to radio podcast, I'll put a link to this in the show notes when we post the show at dognation.com later on today. But can we show this? We're going to show this too, Mike, here in a moment. Uh, this is just, I mean, this is a, tr a true work of art. So let me describe it for those, and, and, and Dave Helwig does a great job on this. So you see on the one hand uh, 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 a hot tub there. And you got me and you got Connor Riley and Jeff Sintel. We're all holding like martini glasses, which is really cool. Thankfully, uh, I am also wearing kind of a sleeveless shirt here. So the, the audience doesn't have to endure a, even a animated cartoon version of a shirtless BA. You don't have to chant. You don't have to see that. You see us wearing the sleeveless shirts there. And all three of us are saying long live the cocktail party. You see a, a Georgia Bulldog down there with the sign saying keep it in Jack's. And then there's the no fun zone, and that's Mike Griffith, and there's a, a gator holding up a sign that says he's a party pooper. Mike's, like, tied to a palm tree. Uh, this is really, really funny stuff. I mean, it, it's, it's actually one of the most impressive works of art that I've probably ever seen. Uh, I know hang it in the Louvre is a little bit of an overused uh, cliche, but this is Louvre-quality artwork here. And for those of us who do enjoy the cocktail party, which Jeff, Connor, and I all do enjoy, Mike Griffith on the other side of that, I, I love the idea of our buddy William Perry saying that's the no fun zone, and that's where uh, Mike Griffith belongs. That is uh, really, really good stuff. And so we'll talk to Mike about that. More coming up in a moment, and let's go ahead and roll on with the rest of the show right now. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Glad to have you with us on video, 945 for our first and uh, 15 there at dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, we're on all those platforms there for you as well. Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, podcast on all the various platforms there as well. Just really appreciate you being a part of the program today. And as I said before, we've got a 
kind of pick up the pace here a little bit. You can tell it's Georgia, Florida week because <laughs> we are uh, going long and diving deep into everything. But how can you not? When you got the number one team in the country, when you got a defensive tackle making a strong case for the Heisman Trophy, when you get a chance to really sink your teeth into your hated rival, the Florida Gators, on Saturday and having some fun. I know a lot of you, if you're not already in St. Simons or Amelia Island or Jacksonville or St. Augustine, one of these places, a lot of you heading down that way already as it is. A lot of you going to be watching some World Series games, uh, you know, from the beach, which is a cool thing all the way around. So how can you not be having fun at a time like this? So we just really appreciate all of that. But we do have some serious work to take care of. So we'll get ready to do that. We'll talk to uh, Mike Griffith here in a moment and we'll show Mike. And hopefully he'll be able to see this. Maybe he'll tune into the video to get a chance to see this. But we'll show Mike the work that the uh, great artist Dave Helwick commissioned, as it was by one of our uh, listeners and viewers, William Perry. We'll have some fun with Mike on that in a moment. So before that, though, let's go around the doghouse, furnished today by our friends at Rooms to Go. And we got to get serious with some football talk here for a moment. And I said this to our video audience before the regular show began. We'll do a little bit of quarterback talk with Mike here in a moment. I'm guessing he's going to stir the pot on that a bit. I have a little bit of a of a scouting report that suggests that might be the case. But for the most part, I'm going to push quarterback stuff aside for today. Some of you want to hear some different stuff. We have to come back to that topic again before the week's done because it's just the biggest thing going on. But we can also talk about some other things here for a moment. In fact, there is a pretty interesting topic to get into related to the Georgia offense that doesn't right now involve the quarterbacks. And this came up with Kirby again yesterday there as well. So here with uh, Around the Doghouse Furnished by Rooms to Go, let's talk wide receivers for a moment. Because very quietly, and you got to really listen here to hear this because some of this sounds like bad news, but very quietly yesterday, I thought Kirby Smart gave us a pretty good piece of good news about the Georgia wide receiver room right now that it is still unbelievably banged up but maybe healthier than it's been, and maybe for one name in particular. Kirby Smart was asked about the potential return of Arian Smith. You know Smith is the speedster here, and Smart gives you more good than bad news about him and maybe slightly the wide receiver situation overall. This is Kirby. Yeah, we're hoping to get Arian back. He, he, he's he been uh, closer each week. Um, it is. It's just a lower leg contusion that has really bothered him uh, when he plants and um, and runs. But I mean, he's much closer this week. Uh, he's been on about a fifty percent uh, pitch count. He's been repping with the twos, and uh, he's getting reps. And you know, I think he's looked better this week than he has in the past. We got to hope that continues the rest of the week. Um, you know, Tremaine's been bothered by the growing. He's fought through that. He's not a hundred percent. Justin Robinson's got a little bit of a hamstring now. Um, so he's banged up. Dom's still out. So I, I don't. I feel like we're better off than we were going into the Auburn game. But I don't feel like we're 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 near where we need to be in terms of at wide receivers. But I do think Aaron will be back, and uh, and Marcus Roseman's done a good job this week, and Jermaine's been out there practicing. So just those three alone uh, are a huge boost. I mean, you have to really strain yourself to hear the good news there because it seems like there's still a lot of guys who are pretty banged up, and even the healthier guys like Burton sounds like he's still dealing with something. But once again, I take that as more good news than bad, especially in the name of Arian Smith. Now, let me be a total fan for one second. This is not analysis. This is just fan talk here for a moment, admittedly so. I sort of have this premonition. I sort of have this sneaking suspicion, in other words that Arian Smith is going to end up being involved in one of the biggest plays of the season for Georgia. I just sort of have this feeling 
and you see this in playoff baseball all the time. I'm not going to do, do Braves talk right now, but you know, you see the Eddie Rosario step up when you really need them to. You see guys that were not a part of your initial story who become a part of your late season story. Sports tells you these kinds of tales all the time. I just sort of get the impression that Arian Smith, who really hasn't been heard, I, mean, I think he had a touchdown earlier this year, but really hasn't been heard from much at all this season, that one of the biggest plays of this year is still likely to be made by Arian Smith. To me, and I know that's going to sound like a crazy level of praise, but just hear me out on this, just really, really quick for a moment. I think Arian Smith, if he truly does come back healthy, and by the way, Georgia's still got a lot of football left to go. I mean, there's still, you know, if you play all the way into January, there's a lot of games still left on the schedule for Georgia. I think Arian Smith has a chance to be a little bit for the offense like what Jordan Davis is for the defense. I'm not saying Heisman Trophy winner. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that part of Davis's value is the fact that he makes other players better because he's so big. Well, Arian Smith, I believe, can still do that for the Georgia offense because he's so fast. And then when he's running those deep routes, there is all kinds of room to operate underneath. Playing off of Arian Smith, the way that you kind of – think of receivers doing from time to time creates additional value for the other pass catching targets that are on the field so maybe smart is is sandbagging here a little bit or you know maybe smith's not quite fully healthy for this game on saturday maybe is whatever but i just sort of have this sneaking suspicion that if the georgia season goes the way that those of us who are georgia fans want it to Boy, we may hear from Arian Smith in a big way. His fingerprints may be all over one of the biggest plays of the next part of the Georgia season there at some point in time. Just something to think about, something to follow away. That is Around the Doghouse. It's furnished by our friends at Rooms to Go, and obviously we love Rooms to Go because, listen, it feels good to live in a home that looks good, right? And great furniture is a big step in that direction. And some of you are almost there. You just sort of need that one additional furniture piece or you need that accent piece to go along with your decor. Others of you are like maybe we're in a kind of time where a lot of folks have just moved into new homes. Uh, real estate market's been incredibly hot. So you just moved into a new home and you look around and you say, wow, you know, uh, we got a lot of work to do. we we got, we got to get this entire house furnished now. Well, that's where Rooms to Go steps in because Rooms to Go is literally their name. Full rooms, they can furnish that for you. I'm talking about whether it's the living room, your bedroom, uh, your kids' bedrooms, you want the outdoor furniture. It's amazing how many people have really stepped up their game in terms of making use of their outdoor living space. That's become such a popular thing as of late. Well, great furniture outside is a big part of that there as well. That's where Rooms to Go is a big winner for you there too you can start your shopping experience just go to one of their showrooms i always like doing that i'm kind of an in-person shopper in a lot of ways i like to sit in the couches like to lay on the beds or you know even lay down on the couch from time to time because that's what i do at my own home a lot just gonna make sure it all feels as comfortable as supposed to be that's what rooms to go uh, can provide for you but if you'd rather stop start your shopping experience online you can do that there as well roomstogo.com for that it's roomstogo.com for all of that and you can check all of that out uh there today all right so that's around the doghouse furnished by our friends at rooms to go there is a lot to do with georgia as i'm looking at the wrong camera see we're just still getting to get used to new uh, new studio here uh there is a lot to do as far as georgia getting ready for florida on saturday a lot of that happening during practice mike griffith actually got a chance to see some practice a little earlier this week so that's a good thing to be able to talk about right now so let's do that all with a practice report brought to you by georgia farm bureau with mike griffith here on dog nation daily today from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dog nation.com insider 
All right, we'll say hello to Mike Griffith. Practice report here brought to you by Georgia Farm Bureau. we got a lot of serious stuff to do with uh, Mike here in uh, just a moment. But I, I do have to start with something fun here, Mike. And I, I don't know if you've got our video pulled up. Maybe you could pull this up on your phone. I know it's delayed for you. Maybe you get a chance to see this here a little bit. Uh, one of our, uh, you know, <laughs> prolific commenters on video and uh, Twitter, uh, William Perry, has commissioned an artist, uh, a terrific artist, Dave Helwig. I don't know if you've seen the drawing of you on the no fun zone this is all in good fun uh williams just poking fun at you for a topic that you've you know been very very outspoken about jeff and connor and me thankfully we're not shirtless at least especially for me thankfully i'm not shirtless but we're enjoying some martini glasses as part of the cocktail party uh you're in the party pooper no fun zone this is a tremendous work of art and something that i think is really funny i hope you've gotten a chance to see it because what a great uh kind of i guess remembrance of one of the great sort of inside topics here around dog nation over the last couple of years how much fun is that mike it was it, it's a it's a funny picture it is you know i just you know you know how i feel be i just I love Sanford Stadium. I love Athens. I think this is a great area. I think it's. Uh, I just. I think I wouldn't want any games to be at Sanford Stadium, or to be taken away from Sanford Stadium unless they had to. You know, I'm not big on the the neutral side openers. I'm I'm a campus guy. I like the guy on campus. I like the idea that the the guy that owns the local restaurant or the local shop can make some money and stay in business and. And I love that Jacksonville area to go on vacation, but just not when I want to go see a game. I want to see it on a campus. And and just from my years of experience, you know, whether it was watching Auburn win at the Swamp or Tennessee win at the Swamp or Alabama, it just seemed like it was always one of the sweetest and greatest wins for teams I covered to go into Gainesville and win there. There was just something about silencing that incredible crowd that they have in Gainesville. Um, so while I appreciate Jacksonville, uh, it's a cool place. I just prefer the on-campus environment and uh, and uh, the economics of it. I mean, congratulations! I'll say this, Brandon: you got to congratulate Jacksonville. They they've done a tremendous job, um, you know, getting the Georgia money in their pocket. I mean, it's a tourist state. These people are experts at luring people down there, spending what they need to spend, so that they can make money off of outside um, folks and. You give Jacksonville a lot of credit. They won this over. They they negotiated in silence. They released this at nine o'clock at night. You don't see Georgia releasing it or talking about it. Um, so you got to give Jacksonville and Florida a lot of credit. And you know, congratulations to the Gators. I mean, they're going to keep the game seventy miles from their stadium, and kids can still go down there for the weekend and see the game and see their campus. So it's a it's a big win for Florida, and you got to give them credit for well, that. Along those lines, and you know, I think it'll be fun tomorrow. I'm going to show this image to uh, Connor and Jeff on Cover Four Live. I think they're going to get a big kick out of that. I think it's really funny. <laughs> you love this BA. I, I do. do. <laughs> I know. I think it's. I think. Listen, I'm. I'm as impressed with that. I may hang. That's suitable for framing. I may hang this over my mantle in my. Uh, in my really, I want. Fireplace. You know what? We should. We should do this print. We should absolutely make this a prank. No, I think I, th- I think there's definitely some some room to do that uh, as we move <laughs> on from that. I think that's well done all the way around. Um, on a serious note, on this topic, then we'll move on to talk about something different. I mean, here's the sense that I get, Mike, and I am admittedly uh, a fan of the cocktail party. I do enjoy it historically. It's been something that I've always looked forward to. But you do get the sense that in future years, I'm talking about beyond this extension, that while the game may remain in Jacksonville, there is a little bit of a push 
Some of this is rank-and-file fans. Some of this is Kirby Smart himself, where I think George is at least more willing to consider its options on this than maybe it would have been in the past. And so if the game is going to remain in Jacksonville beyond the, the current extension that was announced last night, you're going to think for both parties here, Georgia and Florida, there's going to be a lot of ponying up by Jacksonville to get this done. The game may be in Jacksonville the rest of my life. Who knows? But it certainly seems like both the schools, maybe Georgia especially because of the outward uh, outspoken statements of Kirby Smart, they are in a much greater position to drive a strong bargain and a hard bargain on this because, boy, it certainly seems like there has been some public tide that's probably moved in your direction on this. Not every Georgia fan likes the game there on the first coast. I acknowledge that. Yeah, I think about 75% of the fans when we did a poll said they didn't want it to be exclusively in Jacksonville. They wanted some sort of rotation, and what I've said will happen eventually. If not Kirby, the next coach will make it a contingent that they part of his contract will be getting this game back home and home. You'd be crazy to take over at a place where you're asked to compete for national championships, but you're going to give the rest of the league a 12.5% recruiting advantage right out of the gate. It's the George is the only school in the SEC that doesn't get eight SEC home games every two years. Everybody else gets that in their home state, but Georgia. Georgia puts themselves at that recruiting disadvantage. But I, you know, you look at the money, Brandon, and the economic impact. I mean, thirty-five million dollars a year. I'll tell you what I did just for fun. You know, Jacksonville has one of the top two school districts in the state of, in the state of Florida. You look at, um, you know, Gainesville has their own airport. It's 70 miles from Jacksonville, but they have their own airport. You know, I think it has six or eight gates. You look at the commerce. You look at the hospital rankings in Jacksonville. They have the top hospital in the state. And then I look at Northeast Georgia. You're a Northeast Georgia guy. Uh, you I was look born at where in Northeast, Northeast Georgia, Georgia Medical Center. Yeah, I mean, you look and you say that, you know, that the hospital's not as good. The schools aren't as good. You know, if we're talking about a potential 15, to, you don't have an airport in Athens limits your growth potential. You're talking about 15 to $20 million of economic impact every two years. You're basically talking about Georgia giving away $100 million in economic impact every 10 years by giving this game up. Now, the university makes a few extra million dollars, but it comes at the expense of their neighbors, their doctors, their teachers. And that's what's sad to me. It's that it's bigger than football. It's, you know, we talk about SEC and what makes it special, and it's a part of our community. You know, as you said, I mean, this is this is a part of our lives, and there's no we don't need to apologize for that. This is part of what we love about being in the South is college football and bringing this into our livelihood. And the fact that some of this money uh, is 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 essentially uh, shifted to another state out of the sake of tradition, out of the sake of common sense, because. It doesn't help you in recruiting. It doesn't give you an advantage when you ask the curb when it, it doesn't pass the Kirby Smart test. The Kirby Smart test is this. Does it help us win a championship? Yes or no? Yeah, we think we know the answer. But but that's what makes the graphic fun is we all look at it in different ways. I mean, Jeff Centel has a fantastic story about him and his wife in Jacksonville and it, it warms my heart because Jeff's such a wonderful guy. The passion that you show on Dog Nation Daily every day, Brandon, is unparalleled it's, it's part of what makes your show uh so much stinking fun as you would say huh. and uh and going to jacksonville for the game you know it's like going to an NASCAR event everybody's flying their flags throwing cornhole you know drinking their favorite beverage or whatever it's like an NASCAR event in the middle of football i'm just 
I just got to tell you, I'm just so partial to Sanford Stadium. I'm so blown away by the $80 million football building, the $60 million end zone, the skyline, the game day. To me, Athens is the best place to be on a college football Saturday, and I'm just greedy with it. I want to see as many games in that stadium as possible. It's our Farm Bureau practice report, Georgia Farm Bureau practice report with Mike Griffith here right now. And I I thought that yesterday – now, you had to listen closely to hear this, but it sounded like Kirby Smart gave a pretty positive update on Arian Smith, the speedy wide receiver. And I was kind of half kidding, half serious with our audience a moment ago, speaking solely as a fan here. This is not analysis. This is just my kind of fan's intuition that I think that over the course of the remaining games for Georgia this season, I just had this sense that if Arian Smith can get healthy, he's going to be a part of one of the biggest plays that Georgia makes this season because you know, he's the guy that stretches the uh, opposing defense. He's the guy that can get behind that defense. I haven't seen a lot of him yet this year, but he's the guy that really provides a, a dimension that no other pass-catching target you know, has. And if you have a championship season, sometimes you, know, you have guys step up at the end of the year that maybe weren't a part of the story at the beginning of the season. That's a fairly common thing across multiple sports. And you know, the idea that Smith may be either ready to come back against Florida or maybe it's later on the season, but more of a positive update than not related to Smith's uh, contusion thing that he's been dealing with. I take that as pretty good news. What did you make of what Smart said about the receiver situation last night? Well, I was lucky enough to be at practice on Monday. And I, first of all, Brandon, I think we all just said, now of all the weeks Kirby's going to open up practice, he's going to do it Florida week? That's always... You know, because we play the game in the media, and fans probably do too now. We've got a pretty sophisticated following on Dog Nation Daily. Uh, Fans notice that Kirby Smart doesn't make any accidents. Oh, whoops, did we really decide to let, oh gosh, who let these guys? No, no. Kirby purposely let the media in. There was a reason for this, B.A. There was a reason that Kirby let the media in. Um, One of the things I saw was Arian Smith looking great. I I reported it. I said he looked almost full speed. Kirby said yesterday that he's gotten better. When I saw him running around, he looked good. And the term I'm going to give you is nuclear speed. Wow. You know, because you were talking about him making big plays. There's some some light association with the bomb there. I don't want to offend any uh, people sensitive to warfare. But he's got nuclear speed, to your point. You you better know. Listen, if I'm Todd Grantham, I, I'm, look, Brock Bowers is the guy in my bullseye. I'm going to follow 19 because, daggone it, Munkin moves this kid around so much and finds ways to get him open that I'm having somebody chase 19 around. That's, I'm just like, look, this guy's getting the ball. Somebody know where 19 is every damn play. But, but if you see 11 come in there and you're a DB, my ears are perking up because this kid's 4-2-3 speed. I mean, that's legit. This isn't some made-up number. This is a guy who has elite global Tyreek Hill, Mark Nicole Hardman like speed. Uh, four two three, four two three is what he ran this summer at the Georgia Combine. So yeah, you're right, BA. And I do think if there's one thing this kid can do, it's pull it down. Now he's not going to make thirty or forty catches, right? You know, he can't stay healthy enough to do that. But hey, if he can make two or three in the big games. He got his scholarship. Well, I don't think that's an insignificant point that, you know, I don't think of Arian Smith for, for, for a number of reasons beyond the, the health. I don't think of Arian Smith as like the leading receiver for Georgia. I, I can't be that. 
to me, he's the candidate that he may only have one catch in a game, but it may be a doozy, and it, it changes the balance <laughs> of the game. And Georgia has not yeah. had a lot of those guys. First of all, there aren't a lot of true burner receivers who are you know capable of going out and winning those battles to actually bring down the football. You know, there are a lot of speed guys in the SEC who end up not making much of an impact. It's it, it's not as much of a no brainer as you might think from time to time. But but Smith's shown you he can he can find the end zone. He's done it at least once this year, and you know a couple times last year there as well. That he's the guy that he may only have one catch, he may have two catches, but it's the kind of catch that could change a game, or or the kind of jet sweep yeah. that can change the game. I mean, Monk can you can use him, you know, and that's just well, I'll tell you what, and and man, Kirby's done an unbelievable job, and he is absolutely the captain of this ship. But boy, I'll tell you, Todd Munkin is such a winning edge BA. He he just I agree. You know, when Eric Zire was talking about the difference with Stetson last year to this year, he said the supporting cast and the scheme. You know, there's there's reads out there and, and Munkin just they find the open guy, you know, the principle of this air raid is that there's always open air on the field and it's a matter of identifying it and sending your receiver to there and then delivering the ball accurately, obviously. But the fact of the matter is somebody's always open. Somebody's always open, and that's what this Georgia offense does so well. And it, it sounds cliche, and you've heard it before, but with Todd Munkin, I mean, this guy is one heck of a play caller, but more more so a, 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 a schemer. No doubt. And he's able to identify personnel to exploit, and then he's able to identify the formation and where that space will be and train the quarterback to be able to recognize that and make the adjustment with the receiver. So to your point on Arian Smith, uh, you know, hey, he's not the guy. But if you send him to that open area of the field, you know, he, he runs to space and you throw it there, he's going to catch it. I'm, I'm with you. I, I think we could see a big play out of Arian Smith this week and certainly by the end of the year. And a game changer or a momentum builder. And I want to be respectful of your time, but the point you're making about Munkin is one that we've kind of echoed here there as well, that everybody makes a big deal about Dan Mullen with two weeks to prepare. Might give Todd Munkin two weeks to prepare and see what he comes up with, right? I mean, and maybe Georgia doesn't even need it to beat Florida because they're obviously a big favorite in the game. But this idea that the only person who's a fiend with chalk in his hand is Dan Mullen, I'm sorry, that's not the case. This is not talent alone that Georgia's doing what it's done through the first half of this season. I think that Georgia's getting a schematic edge from Dan Lanning as defensive coordinator, and I know for a fact that it's getting one from Todd Munkin. Now, listen, I'm not smart enough to tell you all the things that Munkin's doing, but the results, Georgia scored at least 30 or more in every game but one this season. The results speak for themselves that Munkin is an impact coordinator, and you know the, the way that folks want to throw the praise at Mullen for what he can do with two weeks to prepare, I trust Todd Munkin in that role there too. No question, uh, you know, and, and I think he's the reason, he's a big part of the reason that, that JT Daniels is here. I think he's a big part of the reason that Brock Vandergriff's here. I think he's a big part of the reason that, that uh, Manning is looking at, at Georgia. <clears throat> you know, I'd be ready to pay a King's ransom to keep Todd Munkin. I'd, he, I'd make him the first $3 million offensive coordinator if you had to because, you know, working with Kirby's not a piece of cake. You know, um, you know, you, he's very demanding. The expectations here are sky high and you know, the head coach likes to poke his head in that quarterback room every now and then. And, uh, you know, not not a lot of coordinators, not a lot of high-profile guys want to deal with that. But Munkin seems to, to have a lot of mutual respect with Kirby. Kirby talks really fondly of Todd Munkin. He respects him. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, this Georgia quarterback situation will work itself out. 
um, you know, the proof's in the pudding. You know, you, we'll see them both, and we'll see what they do. At the end of the day, you can argue or whatever stats you want to use or whatever game you want to pull from. Uh, but, you know, the, the proof's in the pudding, and we'll see who moves the team and, and what they do. And, and Kirby Smart wants to win championships at the end of the day, and he'll play the guy. And I'll say this about Dan Lanning, too. I mean, Dan Lanning and the way this Georgia defense is built, and I had a chance to talk to Jordan Davis, and my goodness, I just I, I walked away from that interview and I said to somebody, you know, you talk to a kid like Jordan Davis and you're reminded why you enjoy your job as a college football writer. Yeah. This kid is, is so upbeat, so team-oriented, so genuinely, genuinely bought in. You hear some guys talk and it almost just sounds like they're saying what they're supposed to say, but Jordan believes what he's saying. And, and Brandon, when I asked him about coming back and if this could be a trend now with NIL, because before a lot of these guys went pro because they needed the money. They needed the money. But now if you're a Jordan Davis and you can make $750,000 on an NIL deal and still have your senior year and improve your draft stock and give your family money that they need and, and purchase insurance, obviously, you know, I think we're going to see it more of a trend of players coming back, especially at Georgia, because to me this was one of the missing yeah. pieces, not not to hijack the, the topic, but Alabama had six seniors come back, and that was why they won yeah. a national title last year. They were all first-rounders. If Georgia gets in the habit of bringing guys like Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt and Justin Schaefer, and, I mean, heck, what if Jake Fromm and DeAndre Swift would have come back in 2020? That, that could have been a national championship team last year if you plug in Jake Fromm and, and DeAndre Swift and uh, – and uh, they lost a, a corner. I'm trying to think. There was another guy that could have stayed that did left. But but the point is, Jordan Davis can be a program changer, not only for this year, but maybe for years in the future because people will see how he handled his senior year, how much he enjoyed it, how much he grew from it, and hopefully, and I believe still, the national championship trophy in the Georgia trophy case. No, I think that's all really fair. I know you got a hard out here in a moment. Let me do real quick because I want to do one more thing on quarterbacks with you before we let you go. That's our uh, Georgia Farm Bureau practice report. As Mike said, he saw some of practice this week. He's sharing that insight with us. And, of course, Georgia Farm Bureau shares a lot with you there as well, including dependable auto insurance coverage. They know how important your vehicle is. You're going to work every single day. Dependable transportation is a big part of that. That means being able to trust your auto insurance provider to be able to keep its promises to you. And that's what Georgia Farm Bureau has been doing for folks here in communities all across Georgia since 1959 they take good care of you they have you know friendly folks who are kind of helping with your policy those those local claims adjusters those people that are really working on the scene with you to give you everything you need so check them out online gfbinsurance.com gfbinsurance.com for more on that uh, with our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau all right Mike very quick last thing uh, you hit quarterback there a moment ago. Let me go deeper into that right now. What do you expect to happen on Saturday between JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett on the basis of what you saw, what you've heard, what Smart himself has had to say? Well, I mean, again, Kirby let us in practice on Monday for a reason, and he he showed us the drills that he wanted to show us. He know He knew exactly when we were in, exactly when we were leaving. So he wanted us to see JT take snaps ahead of Stetson Bennett for some reason. There wasn't a whole lot going on. I mean, JT lines up, James Cook's behind him, handoff, bootleg. Uh, Stetson lines up, Zamir White, number two, behind him. Uh, Carson Beck lines up, Kenny McIntosh, and Brock Vandergriff lines up, and Dejon Edwards is behind him. So they go through this little drill. That doesn't mean anybody's starting, but clearly JT was the first quarterback in line at the drill. Okay, 
And then they all throw. There's another drill where they snap the ball like you see in the end zone pregame. They all four get snapped at the same time. They all throw at the same time to different four different receivers. And we see JT and the quarterbacks throw balls all three levels to different receivers over the course of about five minutes. Kirby Smart wanted us to see that quarterback exhibition. He wanted us to see that JT Daniels does indeed look good and look healthy throwing the football. Now, why does he want us to see that? Why does he want Florida to know that? Probably because he wants the Gators to have to prepare for two different quarterbacks because they're two different game plans. They can say what they want, but Stetson needs the run game and the play-action game to be effective. I won't get into all the numbers behind that, but they're there. Whereas JT is a guy that can throw to set up the run. Uh, JT is a guy that can see the entire field and has NFL arm talent. Uh, Stetson is a, a tough kid with moxie that can uh, get you a few extra yards on the scramble and buy you some extra time. So I, I think it's a, what I expect is, um, I guess if I had to guess, I think we'll see a rotation. I'm not sure who starts. I would probably, uh, I, I really am not sure who starts. Maybe I, I guess I'd lean slightly towards JT a little bit and bring Stet in, but I wouldn't be surprised if, Stetson starts and JT comes in, but I do think we'll see both quarterbacks for both teams, and uh, it, it makes for an exciting game because this Florida team can score points. Yeah, and uh, you take away the mistakes, and they're, they're pretty doggone good if they can clean it up and put it all together. Uh, you know, we might have an entertaining game for a few quarters. And quick follow up: it's also one of those things that has the potential to evolve as the regular season progresses. Right? That Daniel's healthy this week in practice, healthy enough to play again on Saturday. Uh, the dispersion between the two on Saturday against Florida, there's a chance that we see this continue to evolve ahead of the big showdown in December and the likely SEC championship matchup as well, right? Oh, there's no question. I mean, you know, you could see some red zone packages for Stat. Uh, you know, the, the, the bottom line is this, and we, we were all, we all, we've seen this act before. You know, JT Daniels can take this offense to another level when he's healthy. When I say another level, I mean – all gas, no breaks. I mean, I think that uh, if JT would have stayed healthy all year, played the if game, but there really isn't a Heisman Trophy guy out there. I mean, part of the reason why JD for Heisman has got some traction is because who else is out there? Yeah. You know, you look at the preseason favorites, they've all, some of them, you know, Spencer Rattler, he's not even starting anymore. You know, but if Jay, just imagine if JT was out there and he was putting up these prolific numbers, he'd be a slam dunk uh, top two or three Heisman guy. Um, but when he's in there, uh, Brandon, this offense just, you know, he, he's, what is he, 9-9 nine and nine on third down throws and SEC play. I mean, they just look unstoppable. Um, they just look unstoppable with him out there. So, But Stetson gives you, you know, that scrambler could be the red zone threat. Um, and, man, what an insurance policy. I mean, I mean, all this guy's done is win this year. So I, I think it's a great situation. But to your point, I think it takes care of itself over time. All right, Mike, good stuff. We'll read more from you at dognation.com. We'll see you tomorrow night, Cover 4 Live on video. Happy to have that show back again after a week off last week. So uh, all that is really, really good, and we will uh, chat with you on down the line. All right, appreciate it, Brandon. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, good stuff there from Mike Griffith. There are two quick things I want to say about what he said. Then, as I said before, we'll try to keep the pace moving here as this is turning into another one of those marathon type shows first of all on the Jacksonville thing just really really quick here's like one of the things that I think people kind of misunderstand about that now first of all Mike seems to think the public schools in Duval and Nassau County are better than I do but that's probably a different conversation for a different day beyond that though I'm not quite so sure there's more money spent 
on the Georgia-Florida game in the state of Florida than there is in the state of Georgia, both in terms of all the folks who stay right there on those beautiful Golden Isles in Georgia, St. Simons, and uh, that whole area around there. Y'all know I love that part of the world. Wish I could be there this weekend. Uh, a lot of money goes into that community during all of this. And plus, here's the thing, is like, to be completely honest, and this is kind of off-brand for me a little bit, but like... We've always loved uh, Amelia Island, which is actually in the state of Florida. But here's the thing. When you go to Amelia Island, a lot of the people who work in those resorts down there live in Georgia. So uh, Amelia Island, I mean, in, in fact, you'd be hard-pressed almost to find, you know, uh, a huge pocket of people that work in those resort communities down there that don't uh, drive over from, you know, the southeast corner of the state of Georgia into uh, into the to that area to, to be a part of that. So there's still a big impact on the Georgia economy for the Georgia-Florida game in Jacksonville because of where Jacksonville is located. Not that that's the reason to keep it there or not, but just important to know for someone who spends a lot of time down there in that kind of coastal Georgia, Amelia Island, Jacksonville area. That's a, there's a reason why folks call that Jacksonville, Georgia, because it kind of has that that flair to it. Here's the other thing on JT Daniels very, very quick, because I tried to tell you we weren't going to talk much about quarterback. I want to keep my promise on that. The most important thing to understand about JT Daniels is this. And the most important thing to understand about the Georgia quarterback situation right now is this. That this week we have gotten incredibly good news, those of us who are Georgia fans. First and foremost, the good news that you shouldn't lose sight of, J JT Daniels is now back healthy again. JT Daniels is a full participant in practice, and that allows him to be a player on the field for Georgia. Now, once you move into, well, how much is he going to play? And what's he going to do when he does play? And how much is Setson Bennett play? And, you know, what does the team think about all this? There is a certain moment where you kind of move into the mysterious realm, and I get that, and it's, it's hard not to go there a little bit. But there is also the absolute cold, hard fact that Georgia this week has gotten great news. A very good player that was not healthy has now returned to health. Now, there's also no guarantee that JT stays there because JT's been banged up a lot this season. These things have a tendency to linger, and there's no guarantee there won't be some sort of flame up of the uh, of the muscle injury, whatever you know, zone of the of the of the of the muscle it is for uh, JT. No guarantee that he remains healthy the rest of the season, but for now he is healthy. For now he is an option again for Georgia and. To what extent that option is deployed, we'll find that out. But the fact that he's even an available option, it's always a good thing to have good players who are healthy. And Georgia's got that right now in the person of JT Daniels. So that, at least, is very good news. Let's go cruising around the SEC here, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And obviously, it's a great time to be on the seas with Royal Caribbean. The ships are back sailing. And one of the best places that you can go out of, and for a lot of, a lot of folks, it's like the convenience, right? And... So I'm in the Atlanta area right here in our Dog Nation World Headquarters studios. I can hop in a car, few-hour drive. I'm down there at Port Canaveral, easy to get to right there on the Atlantic coast of Florida. It's kind of just south of Orlando, I guess, if you're kind of going that way. Um, easy to get to right behind, right below Daytona kind of in a, in a lot of ways. It's, just, it, it's, it's very, very convenient to get to. It's probably the easiest way for you to take a cruise vacation with our friends at Royal Caribbean, especially for a first-time cruiser. It's probably the easiest port to get to all the way around, and it's a great chance to take advantage of, like, Mariner of the Seas. That's a recently amplified ship in the Royal Caribbean fleet that's doing, like, three- and four-day night uh, four-night sailings uh, around the Bahamas. That means you're going to be able to go to Perfect Day, Coco Cay. I know you've heard me tell you about that. It's a great experience to get involved in a cruise vacation. And maybe after that, you're ready for a seven-night sailing. Are you ready for, like, a trip to Alaska or some of the other cool things that Royal Caribbean's doing? But a good, 
entryway to that, kind of a first step, is one of those three or four night cruise sailings that goes around the Bahamas, leaving out of Port Canaveral on a ship like Mariner of the Seas. I've been on Mariner of the Seas many times. It's a beautiful vessel. So you can check that out. And of course, uh, always good to have experts helping you with this. Our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority can set you up with that. Check them out online, tcava.com, tcava.com. Or give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. And a friendly voice on the other side will help you get that uh, cruise vacation booked. All right, let's do a couple of uh, stories here really, really quick as we're cruising on the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I saw where some Alabama fans are mocking LSU fans right now because this is like one of the classic things that happens from the SEC. In every stadium, there's a small pocket. I think at Georgia, it's around 8,000 tickets or so. I believe it's like a, it's supposed to be a percentage of the total tickets available in your stadium, but a percentage of that has to go to the away school. And at Georgia, as I said before, I believe it's around 8,000 tickets or so. Uh, Bryant Denny, uh, I think their capacity may be slightly larger than Georgia's, so they may have uh, you know more visitor tickets, whatever. But there's that moment when the opposing fan base decides they no longer believe in their team or they don't want to come see them get beat up by a team like Alabama, and so therefore the tickets get returned. That's always the ultimate white flag of surrender in college football when the opposing team returns some of their tickets to the home venue because they didn't get sold, and then Alabama gets turned around and put those on its official site and actually just sell those to the general public. I'm sure they probably <laughs> offer them to the big donors first but rare to have a secondary resale of tickets like that to the Alabama LSU game and so Alabama fans are kind of mocking LSU fans for that but it also kind of got me thinking about this so LSU has gotten two very big wins against Kirby Smart in the Smart Era the 2018 game there in Baton Rouge and obviously the 2019 SEC championship LSU won the national championship that particular season but isn't it appropriate now to say about Georgia in comparison to LSU what we once would have said about Georgia in comparison to Auburn and easier to say this about Auburn because in addition to everything else for Auburn you know they had a lot of success Georgia had a lot of success against Auburn so it would have been said over the course of the last we're a little bit more than a decade removed from Auburn's national championship in 2010 we would have said I don't care that Auburn won the national title the decade belonged to Georgia. The last 10 years have been better for Georgia. Now, 11 years. Last 11 or so years have been better for Georgia than they have been for Auburn. Yes, they had Cam Newton. Yes, he won the Heisman Trophy. And yes, he led them to the national championship. But have the last 11 years since that title actually been very good for Auburn? I would suggest they probably have not been. That Georgia, a more consistent winner despite the lack of a national championship, has probably had the better run as of late. Now, it's a little bit more of a stretch to say that about LSU because LSU's national championship was only recently. But the goal in college football is to be good every year, right? The goal in college football is to be able to build something that lasts, something that's not a flash in the pan. We see that in professional sports from time to time, free agency and all that kind of stuff makes it easier to do that. But in college football, it's not about being a flash in the pan in the same kind of way. And ask yourself right now, if you're an LSU fan, how many happy memories are they recalling right now about the 2019 National Championship? They were dominant. They may have been the greatest team of my lifetime, and I mean that literally. But are they enjoying themselves on that? Are they having a good time with all of that right now? Clearly, apparently not, because in the lame duck year for Ed Orgeron, they're sending tickets back to Tuscaloosa because their fans don't want to see uh, what is a fairly obvious beatdown taking place there. Uh, so, no, my guess is they probably don't want to do that uh, very much at all. I was going to do a Mike Tomlin thing. He had a big viral quote yesterday. The honest truth is we've gone so late. 
on today's show. Let me say the Tomlin thing. I may actually do that today as a part of SEC Country Live because I do think there is an SEC tie-in to the Tomlin rant from yesterday. So we may save that and do that there for that. Let me also say hello to Classic City Lager. Of course, Creature Comforts Brewing Company does it for you. Available six and 12-pack cans. It's just good cold beer, lager-style beer, which means it's lighter in flavor. Uh, or should say lighter in color, but no sacrifice on flavor. It's the same crisp, bold flavor you'd expect from a renowned craft brewery like Creature Comforts Brewing Company. We love Classic City Lager. It's a taste of Athens, but you don't have to be in Athens to get it. You can find it wherever you're doing your shopping today. Classic City Lager is just good, cold beer. All right, a lot of times I'll do the golden shoes. We're signing off in today's program. Can I break protocol here just slightly, though? And I want to show the Golden Shoe video on the screen. Our buddy Jordan uh, Jordan uh sent this to us. She's not the person that put the video out. A Florida fan's actually the one that put the video out. But can we show this? This is a TikTok video of Dan and Megan Mullen. Now, this video is actually from the pandemic. I'm pretty sure we mocked Dan Mullen for this back at the time. He and uh, Megan clearly spending a lot of time practicing uh, this dance here together. And uh, what the Florida fan with the... Uh, <laughs> The Twitter header of Grantham and Co. got to go. So if you want to know how Florida fans are feeling about their coaching staff right now, that Twitter name alone tells you what you need to know. And he also writes in to say, my man don't give a dang about recruiting. He's going to audition for Dancing with the Stars soon. So this is the way the Florida fans right now are feeling about Dan Mall. First of all, what a dork is this guy? He's got the Florida basketball shorts on. This has always been kind of a Florida move. Have you ever noticed? The Florida fans wear football jerseys to basketball games and basketball jerseys to football games. Watch this. I mean, like, pay attention to this. This is one of those things that's kind of been a Florida thing for quite a while. I never, I never quite understood that, but that's a little bit of a Florida thing there. And then uh, Mullen uh, doing the dancing video. I'm telling you right now, and I've said this now for a couple of years, Dan Mullen's biggest issue is not what Georgia fans say about him. It's what Florida fans say about him. And Mullen has never been quite as popular with his own fan base as uh, some might think. And I appreciate Jordan DeArmond sending that to us. We'll make her the golden shoe winner for today as we get ready for the cocktail party coming up on Saturday. Let me also remind you that later on this afternoon at SEC Country Live, we'll talk to our buddies at uh, BetUS, David Wassing, great uh, gambling expert. We'll get some previews for him from the upcoming games of the weekend. And don't forget, you can take advantage of a great promo code right now, DN125. Uh, DN stands for Dog Nation. The 125 stands for 125% because you get an initial sign-up bonus of 125% when you sign up for that there uh, today. So make sure you check that out. BetUS.com, DN125 is the promo code, and get signed up. We'll have our picks for the week later on on Go With The Flow this week with our buddy Dari Payro. But you go ahead and get your own picks in there at BetUS. and Use the promo code DN125 to take advantage of the big 125% sign-up bonus. Make sure you check Take advantage of that today. Uh, Good stuff there for that. By the way, lousy stinking Gators. You better believe we're getting ready for that. We're heading there. We're taking Eddie with us. We'll be giving out golden shoes. We have a huge collection of golden shoes still to give out this week. Remind you that three days from now, Dog's going to beat down those lousy stinking Gators. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Dog Nation Daily.